So we are the growth engineers and we talk all about growth. And at some point you're probably wondering, okay, but what about consistency in that growth, right? Because revenue's got to continually come in because the worst thing in the world, and y'all know because I know so many of y'all live there, I have too, and do still sometimes even, is that spike in revenue, then drop off the next month. And then spike in revenue and drop off the next month. And so today, we're going to dive into five keys for you to generate consistent revenue, consistent revenue. Dean, buddy. So straight up, I've got my pen and my pad so I can take notes. So if I fall off in asking you some questions here, please understand that's because I'm taking notes too. (laughs) Sounds good, man. (laughs) Listen, let's, first off, before we dive into these pillars, let's define consistent revenue for everyone. Right, right. Consistent revenue is predictable. So, All of your input, your content marketing, your sales process, your account management, all of the the proposals you put out there, all of those things will predictably produce revenue. Predictably meaning you know how big a sales funnel, let's say, you need to produce Mm -hmm. X amount of revenue. You know your close rates. You know your conversions. You know all of that information. And you know which things have the biggest impact on actually producing revenue because you know what? If anybody's like me, as a small business owner, we do a lot of stuff every day, every week. And sometimes you're like, holy cow, what are, what's working? What's not? What, I, I don't even know what to do anymore. So that's what this is all about, is knowing the activities that are going to produce the results. And I've broken it down into five areas of the business. All right. So you set us up for that, the five areas. Do me a favor. List the five. All right, we'll go. We'll start with the five, and we'll, we'll dig into each. So the yes. first is what I call sales pipeline management. So what the heck does that mean? Really, what it means is you've worked so hard to produce that opportunity, that prospect. Do you have a methodology and a process to make sure they move through the process? So they can make a decision, even if it's a no, and you can move on with your life. You're managing that sales pipeline efficiently. The second is current client growth. So there's this concept, this marketing concept out there called lifetime client value. So what are you doing? There are three components to growing the lifetime value of your client. What are you doing to pull the lever on each of those three to expand the relationship, add more value, and generate more revenue? So that's number two. The third is having an active referral program which is the opposite of just going to networking events and hopefully Mm. somebody will remember you and send you a lead because that very rarely happens. So an active referral program is number three. Number four is building and leveraging your email list and better leverage of your digital marketing and social media strategy. So those are the five. Those are the five pillars to produce consistent revenue. So... 
I mean, I think we could do an episode on each one of these five, <laughs> man. Probably could, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but let's go back and, and talk about the managing of the sales pipeline, right? And I wanted to bring in another term and have you kind of talk about both of them and then have us look at what it means to manage the sales pipeline versus having the sales pipeline happen to our businesses, which I think is what happens to most of us, <laughs> right. right? But customer value journey and sales pipeline, is there a difference? Is there a difference? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. There is a difference. So the customer value journey, the buyer's journey, that's the process your buyer goes through emotionally and physically to recognize pain all the way through to making a decision to solve that problem. That's the buyer's journey or the customer value journey. The sales pipeline are the stages they go through. And it's important to understand the distinction between the two. One is an emotional journey. And one are some measurable stages we as owners and salespeople should move our prospect through, right? And so... Those stages, it's all about the entry and the exit of the stage to help you determine where they are in their journey. Yeah. That makes sense? Yep. Absolutely. So let's let's go. Let's dive in. Because I feel like for most people, pipelines happen to them. So yeah. you added this word managing. Talk to us. What does this mean? Yeah. Well, I think it starts with understanding what the stages of the sale are, right? Uh, and again, we can do a whole episode on just this piece, but but just from a high-level perspective, if we're selling professional services or we're selling fruits and vegetables, it, the sales process is very different, right? Yes. Most of us on the call, on, on, the, on the episode today listening in, are probably selling professional services at some level, maybe business services, maybe there's business products involved, probably B2B for the most part. Yes. And so... That journey, that those stages are very different. If I'm selling a service versus selling software, in the software process, I know I've got to demo my stuff. I've got to show them the widget, right? They want to see the thing. They're yeah. buying the thing. They want to see the thing. There's no demo per se in professional services. There's building of credibility. There's sharing of experience. There's a collaborative process. So breaking down those stages, because I can't sell software unless somebody's seen it. Correct. Maybe there's a demo. Maybe there's a trial. So those are stages of the process. So start there. But even with all that being said, let me back right right up Mm -hmm. and and talk about what are the most important things in managing the sales pipeline. Because you could do a great demo, but you don't follow up. If you look at any of the data out there, all of the associations, all of the Gartner groups, and everybody else that does this market research, they all come back to one reason why most deals don't close. It's not because of a crappy demo. It's because of follow-up. That is the number one thing you can do in your business today to move your revenue forward. Wow. Have a process to consistently follow up. Not brain surgery. No. Following up, following up. I was talking to a client yesterday, and she said, well, I've already followed up with this prospect twice, and I don't want to bug them, and it is, excuse them. Like, all right, when did you talk to them? Five weeks ago. When was your first follow-up? Two weeks after that. So your second follow-up was three weeks after that, and you think you're bugging them? How many times 
See, I'll ask you a question. How many times in your career have you followed up and followed up and followed up with nothing? And then all of a sudden the prospect says, thank you so much for following up. I've just been busy with other things. I'm ready now. Yeah. We actually have a mutual friend that just did that to me. <laughs> right. Right. So it's all about intent. The intent isn't to coerce somebody or push somebody. The intent is to keep things top of mind and be of a value and a resource. So yeah. the number one thing you can do is have a system for following up. So the best way to have a system is start with a CRM, a customer mm -hmm. relationship management tool. You can get it for free. HubSpot has a free sales CRM you can subscribe to and you can pay all the way up to the top end of Salesforce and all that stuff. I don't even care if it's just you selling because you're a small business owner. Have a spreadsheet. I don't care. Maybe yeah. a bunch of sticky notes. Don't just stay at the sticky notes, right? At least have something digital. But just have something. Have something where you can put in the company, the opportunity, where you're at in the process, and the, the next thing you're going to do and when. And ideally, if it's a CRM type tool, it's going to remind you, hey, Tiba, it's time to reach out to Dean again. Yeah. And you, you promised to do such and such. Have a system for follow-up. Keep it simple. That will make a difference in your revenue more than anything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so very true. And it's one, one of the things that has bitten me time and time and time again in my career and until I learned the lesson the hard way as well. Right? So, okay. So that's great. We're managing the sales pipeline and that's getting us new customers in the door. Right? But there's this adage that it's easier to make a dollar off of an existing customer than a new customer. It's also cheaper to do that, but how? All right. So this is that next one, right? Current client growth. So I mentioned this term of lifetime client value. And I said that there are three levers you can pull. So I'll break them down for you. So the first is, what is the average deal size, the average mm -hmm. contract size with a client? Go do that work. Go back at your, go look at QuickBooks, whatever you need to do, go figure that out. What's your average deal size? And maybe you have an entry level offer and then a higher ticket offer. That's fine. Break it out. The next is how often do your customers buy from you? Over the lifetime of you knowing them, how often do they buy? And yeah. thirdly, how long do they stay an active purchasing client? Those are three, those are the three things that when you add them all up, it equates to lifetime client value. Yeah. And so if you take a step back and look at your business and think, all right, well, I can't do much about the average deal size because I've got this thing I offer and it's always the same price. Okay, well, maybe there's an opportunity to add a new offer into your mix, right? But maybe your offer is, well, I sell them on a strategy and they only need it once. I, I can't increase the frequency of purchase. Well, Maybe you can offer implementation services or coaching services or a mastermind or something, right? And both of those together will often equal extending the life of the client. Yes, absolutely. So break those things down. Think about lifetime client value and how you can add more value. Another option is, and I've seen this work really well, is if you feel like you're at the edges of your expertise and your bandwidth and you can't do any more, what if you had a strategic partner come in mm. and co-sell with you? Yeah, yeah. So 
I work with clients on their business growth strategy. Part of that is their marketing strategy. And they do all this good stuff. And we now have identified they need more marketing content to really move their marketing to the next level. Tiba comes in, partners with me. Maybe there's some kind of referral fee or rev share. Mm-hmm. You add more value to the client. I've, mm-hmm. I've expanded the Tiba's client base as well. It's a win-win-win. It's a way to expand the client value. So don't think just about the things you can do. Think about your partnerships, your alignment with other people in the marketplace as well. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you started touching on something there, and I was going to ask you how this fit in there in terms of the referral program, right? But you were talking about the referral program from working with other vendors, like yourself and other verticals to service the same client. But there's also a referral program on the other side too of clients referring other clients, right? Yeah. So here, and and I know that's the third pillar, uh, talking about the referral program, but now are we looking at one or the other as better? I don't see them as better or worse. I see them as what's the best fit for your business and how you can add more value to your clients. So we talked about the strategic partnership a moment ago, bringing a, t- mm-hmm. a TV into my business and so forth. And that can expand beyond. So part of what we do is function as a fractional CMO or CRO for our mm-hmm. clients. And there are times where I've identified they need a CO. They need somebody to come in and really build their systems. So I can easily refer in another fractional COO or a fractional COO to add value to my client. I may not get any financial benefit from that. I don't care. But that person now, emotionally and psychologically, like, I owe Dean one. That's They're right. They're going to be looking out for me. I've added value to their world, something tangible, and they're going to be looking out for me. So that leads from a strategic partnership to a potential another referral. And it's again, it's that win-win. There's no like weirdness about shuffling business cards and who do you know. That's, right. a, that's the the foreign world that doesn't work well. That at all lead sharing just it's just it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No. So I think that that's a key component. You you mentioned the other thing, client referrals, and that can get a bit weird too, right? I mean, I, you've seen the. I hate to call it any particular industry, but there are certain industries that will sit down and say, well. Give me five people you know that could use my stuff, right? I'm not leaving today until, no, come on, right? That, that's not how you build a relationship. That's not it at all. That's not it. But it has happened. And what it's done is I think it's caused this sort of black cloud of weirdness around asking clients for referrals, right? Absolutely. Right? So it's about, it's, it again, it's sleazy. About, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And nobody wants to do that. And if you read any books on how to get referrals from clients, they all say the same kind of stuff. And it's weird that it's just, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that question myself. Yeah. Why the heck would you put somebody in that situation? But you can set your client up to be a hero, right? And add value to their network by just letting them know that you're continuing to grow and you've got bandwidth. They will naturally think to help you if you've helped them. You haven't got to ask the question directly at all, yeah. right? And there are lots of things you can do. You can co-host events with clients and have them bring friends, and it's a very casual social environment where you can actually get in front of prospects that yeah. they, your client wants to bring to the event because you're co-hosting it, 
And you never ask them once, well, who do you know? So there's lots of ways to do that. But I think having an active, on-purpose referral strategy is critical to having consistent revenue. I, I can, couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Okay, so that's number three. Now, number four on this list is one that we've actually touched on so far, yeah. right? Because we talked about follow-up, right? And we, we even just now in the referral, we indirectly talk, touched on it as well. This concept of the email list. But Dean, I thought email was dead as a medium. <laughs> I love it. I love it. We hear that a lot, right? Yeah. And I got to tell you, it, it, it's the opposite of dead. It is the opposite of dead, Atiba. You look at all of the data, all of the statistics, a well-managed email list has the highest conversion rate of any marketing activity beyond referrals. Think about that. And here's why. Here's why. You've built your list, right? However people have come onto your list, whether they downloaded a thing or they met you at an event or whatever, it doesn't matter but you've consistently and intentionally built relationships with your list. It feels like Atiba's community is part of his list. People want to get emails from you. They look forward to getting emails from you, which is really different to a once a quarter sales pitch to my list. So, the intent, again, I talk about intent a lot because I think people forget. They just go through the mechanics of it. Yeah. Tom Ruich is a good buddy of mine. I, I believe you mm -hmm. know him too. He's a, mm -hmm. a story power marketing, and he talks a lot about how to, um, how to nurture that relationship. If you want to see it done well, go find Tom Ruich, story power marketing, subscribe to his email list. It'll blow you away. Every, I yes, get he will. Daily emails from him, and I read them. All the other crap that hits my inbox, usually not. But I watch for and read Tom's stuff. And anytime he tells a story, he draws you in. Anytime he asks you to do something, you say, okay, how fast? Because that's what he's done with the list. So that high level, that's what you want to achieve with your email list. People should never feel oh, another email from this schmuck, right? Because right. I'm going to get sold to again you're not managing that list and your content effectively. So that's a really important piece. And obviously list segmentation and all of those things we can get into at another day, but that's the goal of your email list. Absolutely. Now, most people are wondering if they're still listening to us right now, why in the world did these two people, these guys save this one for last? Because clearly, this is the biggest one of digital and social. I mean, come on. The best way to grow my clients, they're on social media. I need to go produce content and, and get a bunch of likes and comments and then sell them. I need to send them my link in DMs. It all goes down in the DMs. <laughs> How does social media play into consistent revenue for you? And why does it last? It, it, it's last because... It's, well, it's often misunderstood and it's often overhyped, right? The selling the DMs, I was laughing when you said that because you see these social media gurus selling social, all this stuff. The truth is that digital marketing in general is, is too big a topic, right? It, but if you think about all things online marketing, it's about bringing people into your messaging ecosystem. 
bringing them into your world so you can communicate with them. Yeah. So when it comes to predictable revenue, if you go onto social, let's take social, and you sell, it's going to do the opposite. They're going to unfollow, unsubscribe, disconnect, block you, do all the things that we all do when people pitch us. Yeah. So it's low on the list only because if I talk about it higher on the list, people think I can go sell on social. And that's not the goal here. It's about one thing, connect and build relationships. Feed them your wisdom. Feed them your love and let them raise their hand. So that's yes. why it's low on the list because people overestimate the power of selling in the DMs, right? Like, yes. No, absolutely. <laughs> Without question, I think that's so well, well said of, of how you said that there because everything today says do more social, do more social, and that's not the answer in that way. It's not. It's just one tool to connect with the world. And that's it. And understand that. And that's, that's it. it. It's part of a strategy. It's not the strategy. It's not the strategy. It's part of the process. It's a step in the process, a tool in the process, as Dean said. Yeah. So, Dean, so we've gotten this big high-level overview. And we will. We got to come back and we got to take each one of these and break these down. Because I got a ton of questions here that I don't even have time to ask you right now on some of these things. But, but I got to ask this because I, I feel that there is someone who is listening to us who is in a burning place where consistent revenue has been a major, major problem for them, right? Yeah. Because the other side of consistent revenue being a major problem is you don't have consistent cash flow. And if you don't have consistent cash flow, then you're dealing with a whole host of other issues, right? Living off of credit, the stress, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. as we're nearing our end here, I want to ask you this. How do you help people with finding their path to consistent revenue? Yeah. It's a process, right? I think, and it has to start with you as the business owner. So where we start is, what do you want out of the business, right? Because consistent revenue to me and consistent revenue to you may be very different, right? If I want a lifestyle business where I can go play, I can go travel, I can do all the things, and all I want is the business to fund just that, that's a real different business to something where I want to grow it. I want to get a valuation at the end because I want to sell it. I want to bring in private equity. I want to do all these big things, right? The Silicon Valley, right? Mentality. So consistent revenue means something very different. Right. right? I want more of a, I won't say passive income because that's this sort of like Nirvana thing out there, right? Mailbox money. I'm not sure if that really exists for most of us, but whatever. If you want something where you're less hands-on, and you're building a team that can implement and execute? Or do you want to, did you love getting in the weeds with your business and with your clients? So I start with you. What do you want out of the business? What do you need in terms of revenue and income and growth? What often happens is we skip those steps and we go yeah. right to, I need revenue, I need sales, I need. Not all revenue is good revenue. Huh. All clients are good clients. That's so true. Right? So that's where we start. And then we build out 
this vision of the business. And then the, the approach is to getting that, to achieving that. And I will say, especially if you're in growth mode, you as a business owner, you've got to be spending at least 30% of your time driving revenue, talking to prospects, getting out in the world, getting out from behind your desk. 30% of your time. Yeah. Maybe more if you're earlier, earlier stage. So that's where yeah. we start. Absolutely. So if someone needs help starting there, how do they reach you, Dean? Reach out to me on LinkedIn. It's the easiest place to find me. Go to meet.deanisaacs.com and that will take you right to my LinkedIn. You can also go to revenueroadblocksquiz.com and you can take a free quiz. It gives you a scorecard of all the things that we talked about today and where each of them are at in your business and it'll help you focus on the areas that you need the most help with. That's brilliant. That is brilliant. Well, buddy, thank you. We're going to come back and break down these five. So y'all stay tuned for that. Okay, we'll do future videos breaking down all five of these. But Dean, as always, my friend, another great week, another great topic. I'll see you next week, buddy. See you next time around. All right. Bye, everyone.